Well, good morning, everybody. Man, we're glad to see you. What a beautiful Lord's Day. Thank you for coming out. Full parking lot again. Uh, just like Sunday morning, there's room at the front. Amen. Let's all stand together. We'll make a joyful noise. Let's sing, sing, sing. Sing with us this morning. Brother Ken, come on. All right, well, this morning we're going to do When the Roll is Caught Up Yonder. We'll do all three verses today. When the Roll is Caught Up Yonder. trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder see you. Thank you for coming out on this Sunday morning, Lord's Day. I want to give you a few prayer requests, and we'll open up in prayer. And then Sister uh, Annette's going to come open us in a song this morning as well. Uh, several this morning, and if you are joining us via live stream, we appreciate your participation. We invite you to put your requests in. Please pray for Sister Nadine Thomas. Nadine goes this week. She's having some blood clot issues in her lungs. So please lift up Nadine if you would. Pray for Brother Buck Bolin and his family. We mentioned about his hip replacement procedure uh, that he had done over the weekend. He's having a tough time, as you can imagine. Pray for him. Uh, Chris Henderson, a family friend, uh, Sister Trina is in COVID, uh, is in Martinsville with COVID. Uh, Daniel Weaver also uh, uh, with COVID. And then Sister French's sister uh, is uh, just got out of the hospital. Uh, pray for her. And then pray for my wife's brother, Craig Hicks. Most of you know Craig. He goes to the hospital tomorrow for a heart procedure. We'll be there for a few days. So lift him up in prayer. And let's pray for the services this morning. We need the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you today. And we're so thankful to come uh, to church on a Sunday morning Lord's Day. Thank you for those that have made their way out. Those who are joining via live stream, God, we count it an honor and a privilege to be able to come into their homes this morning. Lord, we need your presence today here in our parking lot. We pray that the Son of God would be glorified, magnified, lifted up. 
for you told us in your word that if we will just lift him up, you will draw men and women, boys and girls unto you. We're going to take you at your word today and do just that. We pray your blessings upon the preaching, the singing. Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you in Jesus' sweet name. I pray. Amen. You can be seated. You pray for Miss Annette this morning.
that have served the Lord for any length of time, we have to say amen to that. Better today than he was yesterday, and he'll be better tomorrow still. Amen? Let me give you several announcements. First of all, as you can see, we have our Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes out. Uh, we ask you to pray about that. Lots of ways you can participate this year, of course, packing your own box. You can also uh, donate if you'd like to, $20. Uh, we've got that on our tithing system now. You can point that out as, uh, for the app. Uh, check that box, and we'll utilize it in that capacity. Uh, again, that pays for the shipping as well, $10 for the box, $10 for the shipping. So please help us out with that. you got a, a couple of months to do all of that information, so we appreciate that. And then what a great time we had this past Wednesday night as we opened up our services again for Wednesday evening. Amen. Thank you for those that were able to join us. Uh, if uh, We will continue with that on Wednesday evenings. We invite you to take part either online via live stream or here face-to-face. And thank you for those that came Wednesday night and, and helped us out by keeping everything safe uh, and uh, ensuring that we can open. Uh, and we're going to be talking to you shortly about how we're going to do Sunday mornings. But you continue to, to uh, pray that we would be safe and do things in accordance with the Word of God. So let's stand together one more time. Brother Ken, you come get us a song to sing, and let's worship together this morning. Brother Ken. Amen. Let's sing Redeem. How I love to proclaim it. We'll do the first and last verse this morning. Redeem. Be seated, folks. My wife looked at me and said, we're not doing the next verse. Amen. <laughs> come on, Miss Annette. Uh, you uh, pray for Miss Annette and trio. You all come get ready to sing as well. Uh, I want you to listen to this uh, song that Miss Annette's singing. I know it will bless your heart. If you're glad you're out this morning, say amen. While you're praying, pray for Brother Rodney Adams. Everyone take a look at what Brother Rodney's wearing, and let's take him to Walmart after services today. Amen.
You know what happened, don't you, Rodney? The Lord's punishing me for picking on you. Amen. Turning your Bibles this morning to Mark chapter number 5, if you would, please. Mark chapter number 5. While you're turning, I want the trio to sing the song they sang Wednesday night as we opened up our services. As they were singing, I were reminded the scripture tells us that when we were in the womb of our mothers, God knew us. Nothing in our lives that we face or endure takes him by surprise. And as Miss Annette just sang, if there's one thing we need, it's the Lord. And I remind all of us that we were created to serve Him. I hope. 
this song, bless you, your heart.
Wonderful, wonderful. Mark chapter number 5 this morning, if you would please. Mark chapter number 5 this morning. We're going to begin our reading in just a moment in verse number 22 of Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 22. I want to talk to you this morning about a young lady that we preach about often. However, most of the times uh, when I preach about her, we're looking at Luke chapter number 8. In fact, this is one of the stories that's recorded in three of our gospel accounts. It's recorded in Matthew 9, Mark 5, and Luke 8. And I think this morning of all of the characters and all of the people that we read about in Scripture that the Lord touched and healed, of all of the folks that God miraculously intervened into their lives and did the unimaginable, there's probably no one who had suffered more than this lady. I was rallying through my mind the other day of all of the ones that Jesus touched during his ministry, and John makes it pretty clear that it's just the tip of the iceberg recorded. By no means is it an exhaustive list that, that we have in our Scripture, but of all of the ones that were touched, who was the one that maybe had suffered the most? Was it that demoniac of Gadara, that one who had torn himself and has been in chains, but the, the, the enemy had so infiltrated his life that he could not but set free of the sin and bondage that enslaved him? Was it somebody who had, had, had perhaps uh, had their lips unstopped or their ears uh, 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 touched so that they could hear or their eyes opened? And all of those are certainly good accounts, but I cannot think that there was anyone, as I'll show you in just a few moments, who had suffered more than this woman, unnamed, with the issue of blood. I don't think there's anyone who had gone through the years of agony that this woman had endured. And again, most of the time, we read about her in Luke chapter 8. It's a little bit more of a lengthy account in Luke 8. You can read about it in Mark 9 as well. But I want to spend a few, excuse me, in Matthew 9, I want to spend a few moments this morning talking to you about the story as is recorded by Mark in chapter number 5. So let's begin reading in verse number 22. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. When he saw him, that's when Jairus saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. Verse 24 says, And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. Let me pause there for a second. Because it's almost impossible to talk about the woman with the issue of blood without also mentioning the fact that when Jesus touches this woman, or rather when this woman touches Jesus, he was in fact on route to divinely heal the daughter of Jairus. Why does that matter? You understand that as the father of a dying child, Jairus was willing to do whatever is necessary. He was championing his daughter's well-being. Every parent here understands that. Most of us recognize that there is absolutely nothing we wouldn't do for them kids. My mama would remind me often, even though she was near death and I was almost 50 years old, she would remind me often that she was still the mama. 
She would often say to me as I was trying to give her orders and trying to tell her to take her medicine and what she needed to do, uh, she would hold up that bony little finger and said, boy, I'm still the mama, not you. But she also reminded me that even as the mama, there's very little we won't do for them youngins. Or as the grandparent, uh, there's very little we won't do for them grandbabies. How many of you are grandparents this morning? Raise your hand. My daddy has told me a thousand times that grandchildren are God's reward to you for surviving the children's teenage years. Amen. The fact that you don't kill your kids uh, when they're teenagers, God rewards you with grandchildren. Amen. He also told me if he'd known how perfect grandchildren were, he'd have skipped the child altogether. Y'all pray for him. He needs to be saved. <laughs> but as Jesus is en route to the home of Jairus, to intervene in the life of the dying daughter, a divine encounter happens with a woman who seemingly comes out of nowhere. Let's keep reading the next verse, verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing bettered, but grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. Matthew's account tells us in chapter number 9 that she in fact touched the hem of his garment. Look if you would please at verse 28. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes... I shall be whole. Straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. Can we stop right there and just say amen to the fact 12 years of doctoring didn't help, but one touch of Jesus took care of it all. Can we just celebrate the fact that though she tried every doctor, though she'd spent every penny, uh, and though she grew worse and worse, uh, though physically there was nothing else that could touch her, uh, that hand of faith when it reached out to a powerful, ever-loving, omnipresent God instantly did what a doctor could not do. Scripture says again in that very verse, straightway, verse 29, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Verse 30, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue, if you write in your Bible, you got a pen, underline that word virtue, it's important, we'll talk about it in a moment. Knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes. Now, let me just stop a moment and say that the next verse has always astonished me. Because the next verse is the response of the disciples to Christ's question. It's the response of the disciples to the question that Jesus asked. He didn't say, who touched me? Because she didn't touch him physically. She didn't lay hands on his body. Uh, he said, who touched my clothes? And the next statement is almost deriding by the disciples. If I can put it in 21st century English, they almost give him a little bit of attitude. They almost uh, give across a notion that, that they've got it figured out and they know more than he does. 
Look at the verse, if you would, please. Verse 31. Disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me. In other words, the disciples say, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. You are surrounded by people. You're being jostled to and fro. Everybody's trying to get a piece of you. And you're going to be silly enough to ask who touched me. Everybody is around you. They're sticking out their hands. We're having to hold them back like bodyguards. And you're going to be crazy enough, Lord, to say who touched me. And look at the response of Christ. He looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, only time in Scripture Jesus calls somebody daughter. He said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. When we read chapter number 5 of the Gospel of Mark, Christ had already done in a miraculous healing when he touched or when he spoke healing to that maniac of Gadara. It's a fascinating reminder that when Jesus showed up, this man who Scripture says was possessed by a multitude of demons and had wreaked havoc on the community so much that mamas and daddies were afraid to let their kids play outside because of this fella. When Jesus showed up, the enemy had no power to intervene. In other words, as strong as the enemy was, Jesus was even stronger. As powerful as that demonic possession was, the power that Christ had in him as the Son of God uh, could do what nobody else did. I'll remind you, the disciples uh, brought Jesus back to the other side. And Jesus, if you'll allow me to say it this way, to match our 21st century understanding, had reached somewhat of a celebrity status. Most did not see him as the Son of God. Rather, they saw him as a divine healer, if you would. Someone who could do miracles. Someone that could bring down manna, that could give bread, that could somehow turn five loaves of bread and a couple of fishes into enough food to feed 15,000. And when they had it today, they wanted that tomorrow. And so he was thronged by people, not looking to him as the Savior, but looking to him as the celebrity. Let me, let me just stop a minute and say to all of us this morning, there's a big difference between knowing about him and knowing him. Our world today is full of people who know about him. But there's only a handful, we call them the remnant, that really know him. There's only a handful that have experienced uh, what this demoniac have experienced, that experienced uh, what this precious lady has experienced. Uh, I don't just want to know about him. I want to know him. So now, as Jesus is once again walking the streets, he is surrounded by people. I can imagine 
a celebrity shows up downtown. Word begins to eke out. Twitter begins to explode. Social media lets everybody know uh, that the celebrity's in the midst. And before you know it, uh, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people thronging him. Not because they thought he was the Messiah, but just because uh, they wanted to get a little piece of his divine power. So now, we have an unusual woman. Scripture doesn't tell us a lot about her. But what we do know is enough to recognize uh, that this woman is hopeless. But she's looking for some hope. I want to give you a message this morning. I'm entitling, uh, When a Hopeless Woman Meets the Hope of God. When a Hopeless Woman Meets the Hope of God. Three things that I'll ask you to note with me this morning. Number one, note with me this woman's pitiful suffering. This woman's pitiful suffering. Verse 24, 25, and 26 make very plain that the physical condition with which this woman suffered was severe. Scripture tells us that she had suffered with, quote, an issue of blood. The same phrase is used to describe her in Matthew 9, in Luke 8, here in Mark 5. This physical condition is most literally means that this woman is literally hemorrhaging or bleeding from someplace in her body. Most associated with female in nature. But the reality is that for 12 years, this woman had suffered from hemorrhaging internally uh, that was absolutely destroying her life. Let me pause just a moment and say to you that this woman, who had for 12 years suffered from this hemorrhaging of the blood, this blood condition, this issue of blood, is a beautiful representation of every lost person who does not know Jesus Christ. Can I remind you uh, that prior to salvation, we also had a blood problem. Can I remind you that prior to coming to know Jesus Christ, uh, we also uh, were literally dying every single day. But thank God for the day when he passed by uh, and suddenly uh, what was a blood problem became a blood solution. Notice not only her affliction, but her anguish. I got to thinking about beyond just the physical, which we'll talk about, this woman was suffering and enduring all sorts of problems. There is, of course, most notably and easy to understand, her physical anguish. Understand, folks, I don't want to be too graphic for reasons that I think you probably recognize, but a woman or anybody who's been bleeding for 12 years is no doubt weak, anemic, pale, no energy. I can't help but think that any time she even came into public, she looked like the walking dead ghost of a woman. She was a terrifying aspect to look at. She was nothing attractive to behold. In fact, her physical anguish was just not internal, but was external. In other words, I believe that you could see it all over her that this was one sick woman. I don't think she was an elderly woman. I think she was, the scripture makes it pretty clear uh, that she was a relatively young woman uh, by our standards. Uh, but for 12 years, if you'll allow me to put it this way, the woman was bleeding to death. Scary looking. Her physical anguish 
was only matched by her medical anguish. You know this part. This is not something she'd been enduring for a week, a month, or a year. How long, church? Twelve years. And so that you fully understand the culture of the day in which we're talking, I want to give you some of the, quote, cures that the Talmud recommended for a woman in this condition. Some of you may not know, we've got the Old Testament that gives us the law, but the Jews also used a corollary called the Talmud, which would take what was clearly given in the law and expand upon it and give thousands of ordinances and requirements and commands. So are you ready? Get ready to smile because some of this is unbelievable. Number one, the Talmud says, if a woman suffer from an issue of blood... Take gum of Alexandria, of alum and crocus. Let them be bruised together. Give them in juice to the woman that has an issue of blood. Set her in a place where two pathways meet. Let her hold a cup of juice in her hand. Let somebody come behind and affright her and say, Arise from thy blood. Now you know that's going to work. Tear up some leaves. Put it in some juice. Put her down in a pathway and let somebody come up and scare her. That'll do the job. Talmud goes on to say, if that doesn't work, here's option number two. Dig seven trenches, burn them cuttings of vine, not yet circumcised, which means they're less than four years old. Let her take in her hand a cup of juice. Let her be fed from this trench. Uh, fed from the trench. Did you catch that? Take some cup and dip it down into the nasty water. That'll cure it. Set her in the path. Uh, and let her be removed from that, set down over another, and in each removal say, Arise from thy blood. And in case that one doesn't work, here's number three. Take an ear of white corn taken from the dung of a donkey and feed it to her. I give you those because I want you to understand the humiliation this woman had endured. I want you to understand that the, the, in her quest to be healed, and when Scripture says that she'd spent everything that she had, I want you to recognize that in her desire for healing, she had turned to many quacks. She had turned to options that were not an option. And not only did her physical condition grow worse, I think the humiliation she went through just got to be overwhelming. I'm reading between the lines now. I think this woman had probably become a hermit. Afraid to go out in public, uh, afraid to show herself, uh, afraid to let anybody see her presence in the midst. Her physical anguish, her medical anguish. This won't make sense to us in our 21st century uh, sensibilities, but she suffered some massive social anguish as well. Because of her condition, scripturally, as a Jew, under the law, she couldn't marry. Because of her condition, she could not be around other people. This reduced her literally to a life of begging for scraps and food. We don't even think about this from this woman. But I want you to understand how horrible her day-to-day -day life was. 
She couldn't be in the midst of people. She couldn't be around people. All she could do was be on the fringe of society, begging for scraps of bread. There was no social care network. There was no grace network. There was nobody to help her out. You could look at her and tell that she was sick. This woman was miserable. If that wasn't bad enough, the the religious anguish was even worse. I'm going to read to you a couple of verses. You don't have to turn. But Leviticus chapter 15, verse number 19, so that you understand I'm not making it up, says, If a woman have an issue, and her issue in her flesh be blood, she shall be put apart seven days, and whosoever toucheth her shall be unclean unto the evening. Did you catch that, folks? Every time she went out and somebody touched her, she was rendering them unclean. And I don't want to be unkind, but there was no mask you could wear to protect yourself from her. The Bible goes on to say in the same verse, the same chapter rather, verse number 25. And if a woman have an issue of blood many days out of her time of separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of her issue of uncleanness shall shall be in the days of separation. She shall be unclean. Every bed whereon she lieth uh, shall be unclean, separated, and whatsoever she sitteth upon shall be unclean. And whosoever toucheth those things shall be unclean, uh, and shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean unto the evening. I'm giving you all of that because I want you to understand it's like this woman was walking around with the plague we often just associate what she was going through but this woman couldn't go to church she couldn't go to work she couldn't be around her family she couldn't go out in public all she could do was beg for scraps of bread and the more she begged the worse she got and finally this morning Scripture gives us very clearly her financial anguish. Because the Bible says that she had spent all that she had. Now she's left penniless and destitute. No husband. No children. No prospects. No church family. Nobody that's going to lend her a hand to help her. Out of her situation. I say again this morning. She reminds me of two different kinds of people. Number one. Everybody that's never met the same Jesus that we know. You can try everything you want. You can turn over every little leaf. You can try everything there is to try. But until you meet him. You'll never get any better. Until you meet the one who's got power flowing through him, you will never get any better from whatever physical or emotional or spiritual sin you face because what you need, he's got the answer. But I know most of us here this morning are saved. So what about that for us, preacher? About every day of my life, I meet believers who are under the crippling power of sin in their life. Believers who are laboring under a heavy burden. Maybe it's a burden for their own sins. Maybe it's a burden for a family member. They're discouraged. They're defeated. They've tried everything they can to fix their own situation. You've read all the books. You've taken all the advice. You've listened to all the preachers. You've done everything you know to do. And you're no better. But may I say to you, you still have hope in the one that's got the power to give life. Her suffering. 
Not only do you see her suffering this morning, notice number two, her scheme. Her scheme. Verses 27 and 28. If you'll go back to your text in Mark chapter 5, let's look at verse 27 together. Scripture says, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. I want you to remind me, I want you to be reminded this morning that it was this woman who devised this plan to meet the Lord. What were her reasons? What were her reasons? Maybe she'd heard about Jesus healing the leper. And after all, if he can heal leprosy, he can heal her. Because leprosy was just about as bad as you could get. But this woman had been told he's already healed the leper. And she thought perhaps to herself, if he can heal the leper, maybe he can heal me. Or maybe a word had gotten to her of what Jesus had done on the other side of the lake as he healed the maniac of Gadara. Here's what I want you to get. Somebody told her about one more doctor. <laughs> even though she'd been to every doctor she knew, and even though she'd done everything somebody said to do, and I think maybe she'd given up hope and decided that this was going to kill her. This would be what would take her life. Somebody said there's still one more doctor, and good news, he's passing by today. And so she decided that she would just touch the hem of his garment. Her reason becomes her resolve. 28, the Bible says, and she said, notice, she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. I think this woman realized that when all was said and done, she had one hope. She had to get to Jesus. I think this lady understood that she had but one choice. She believed with all of her heart if she could just get to him that he had the answer. But understand, as she elbowed her way through the crowd, she is defiling everybody she touches. That may not matter to you, but if somebody points her out, if somebody looks at her and recognizes that because of her physical condition of what she's in, she is now risking her life, she could be stoned, she could be executed. But I think she got to the point where she said, I've got nothing left. Let me just try Dr. Jesus. And so now, her scheme, her sacrifice, notice if you would please her salvation. Verse 29, I absolutely love the reaction of Christ. Christ's words here are powerful 2,000 years later. Scripture says straightway the fountain of blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she'd been healed of her plague. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about press and said, who touched my clothes? I want you to understand, folks, that this woman's healing was instant and personal. When she was near enough, she stretched out her hand, on her knees, no doubt. When she was near enough, 
She gave under the feet of everybody else, stretched out her hand, in all likelihood probably touching the, the, the tassel of his prayer shawl. How do we know that? Matthew uh, chapter number 9 says it was the hem of the garment. The hem means the bottom piece. It could have been his robe. It could have been the prayer shawl. But all, listen to me. She didn't grab his feet. She didn't grab his hand. All she did was gently with that trick with that trembling hand, uh, brushed the underside of his garment, and instantly uh, she was cured from what held her. Twelve years of mess uh, was taken care of. Uh, the second, uh, with a hand of faith, she touched the Savior. It's personal. It's personal. It didn't take a week, it didn't take a month, it didn't take another year. In that instant, uh, she received what no doctors could do, uh, what it had taken her a fortune to do. Uh, she knew uh, that she'd met him, and now she's a different woman. Yeah. I say to you this morning, I hope you'll amen me on this. There has never been a moment when a hand of faith uh, stretched out to a loving God comes back empty. There is never... <laughs> It only takes one moment of faith to get in touch with a holy heavenly father. It takes one millisecond of a moment of faith. And what the physician can't do, what the medicine can't do, what money can't buy, one glorious moment of faith does for any of us today. It's personal. But it's also powerful. I mentioned to you a moment ago to underline that word in verse 30. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. That word virtue is a word that really has a very different meaning in 21st century America than it did when our King James translators correctly translated it. Today, if we talk about virtue, we equate it with goodness. If someone is virtuous, they're good people. They're, 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 they're the kind of people that sit down and have cornbread and pinto beans and sweet tea for dinner. They're, vir they're good people. That's not what virtue meant here. If you've got a reference Bible... Any, any reference Bible likely tells you that the word here that is translated virtue actually comes from the Greek word dynamon, which means power. It's where we get our word dynamite. It's where we get our word dynamic. So Jesus was not saying that goodness had flown out of him. He's saying Dynamite power has just eked out of me because somebody touched me. Amen. Yeah, Jesus was not saying, hey, I felt a little something, something happened because somebody has touched my clothes. He said, hey, let's stop the presses. Let's slow down because dynamic power has just come out of me. And that only happens because somebody with faith has touched me. And asks that incredible question. Who touched my clothes? Scripture makes pretty clear now this woman's terrified. Why? Because when Jesus said who touched my clothes, one of two things is going to happen. 
either he's going to ignore her out of grace and mercy or she's going to be killed. Understand, folks, she's just defiled Jesus. Are you with me? And not only is he defiled, he's defiled until the evening. He's supposed to Levitically stop what he's doing. Go wash himself head to toe. Change his garments. Everybody that she touched to get to him is unclean. And now, until sundown, they're all supposed to stop, go to the house they came. Sounds like a COVID epidemic just happened. Quarantine them. That's right. Go quarantine them until the evening. Those are the two choices. Ignore her or call her out. In which case, she's about to be killed. But would you look at me this morning? Here's my favorite part. Jesus was not interested in humiliating her. She'd already had her fair share of that. Jesus was not interested in driving her away from his presence. This precious little lady had her fair share of that. He was not interested in preaching to her a sermon about uncleanness or the law. She'd heard her fair share of that. What he was interested in is the fact somebody had touched him with faith. So in that moment, in that moment, he turns to her and says, Not! Who touched my clothes? But said, who touched my clothes? And all eyes turned to this woman, trembling in fear, knowing, the Bible tells us, knowing that the issue of blood had dried up. (laughs) Knowing that after 12 years of hemorrhaging to death, in that second she'd been cured. Her healing becomes profound. Verse 33. The woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Now we got to fill in the gaps here. Because I can't help but think That when Jesus said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples make fun of him and say, what do you mean, Lord? You're surrounded by people. You're being touched everywhere. And he says, no, somebody touched me and power has eked out of me. That the crowd separated and there knelt the woman. I have to tell you, I almost think I know a little bit of how she feels. What do you mean, preacher? Sidebar for 30 seconds. If you want to feel like Moses... Part in the Red Sea, sneeze in a grocery store. Amen. I've told you this before. I I suffer from horrible allergies. I used to call them seasonal allergies. Here's the ain't no season to them. It's year round. I take medicine twice a day for it. When I sneeze, I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm just going to be honest. My family knows this. It's a running joke. Most of the time people sneeze once or twice. I sneeze 20, 25 times. If we're driving, Renee grabs the wheel when I start sneezing uh, because otherwise uh, we're about to become a victim of road rage. I was in Kroger last week. Had a mask. You can't sneeze with a mask on, church. It's not wise. And so I'm in the dog food aisle. 
I felt the sneeze coming on. I pulled the mask down. I do the elbow. And 22 sneezes later, people are looking at me going, I looked at him and said, it's not COVID, I don't think. It's because I don't have any clear knee. And suddenly, everybody's backing away. I think the same thing happened to this woman. They're backing away. She's, she's unclean. She's nasty. She's gross. We don't want no, hey, Wait a minute. Don't turn your head up, church. It happens all the time in Baptist churches. Don't, 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 don't be too unkind to these people. How many times have people walked into a Baptist church that didn't look like somebody else, that didn't smell like somebody else, that didn't dress like somebody else, and people turn up their nose at them? God help us to be as loving to them as Jesus was to this lady. And in that moment, as she begins to pour out her heart and say, Lord, this is what I dealt with for the last 12 years. This is how many times I've been to the doctor. This is everything that I've dealt with. This is why I did this. This is why I came out. This is why I did what I did. Oh, God, forgive me. Jesus says in verse 34, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Let me just stop a moment and point out the fact that I said a moment ago, this is the only time in Scripture Jesus calls somebody daughter. Now, I have read all kinds of commentators on this, and I understand what they're saying. I understand and I recognize that perhaps he was calling her daughter in recognition of the fact she was Jew, and that means that she's a daughter of Abraham. But do you understand he'd healed all kinds of Jews before? He didn't call them son. He didn't call them daughter. But it's only this woman that he calls daughter. Yes, it may have been because of her Jewish lineage. Yes, it may have been because she's a daughter of Abraham. But I say to you this morning, I think that the reason he called her daughter is now she's a child of the king. Now it... It's not just her physical healing she's experienced, but it's her social healing. It's her financial healing. But most of all, it's her spiritual healing. Now she's a daughter of the king. And he says, thy faith hath made thee whole. Can I just stop a moment and point out the obvious that I think 99% of the commentators miss? It had nothing to do with the clothes he was wearing. It wasn't the fact that she touched his tassel or his hem or his prayer shawl. It was the fact that she reached out in faith. It wasn't the clothes. It was the faith she exhibited to say, I need him. And then he says something that I think most everybody ignores. He says to her in verse 34, Go in peace, be whole of thy plague. You can close your Bibles. You see, Leviticus makes it very clear. Again, I'm not going to be graphic here. But a woman who is suffering in this condition for a prolonged period of time is not healed or clean and to the priest says so. Now, ladies... You just know that's something you want to go be talking about to the priest. Come on. 
You just know that's a conversation you want to have. And so to to make sure that everybody knows, to make sure that this woman does not have to go humiliate herself anymore, he says, not just for her benefit, but for everybody else, says, you ain't got to go to another doctor, you ain't got to go to another preacher, you ain't got to go tell nobody nothing, because I said it, I spoke it, and now you are done. And in that moment, this woman who I think crawled, anemic, scary-looking, terrified, stands up ramrod straight, holds her head up high, and she who had crawled in a sinner walked out a saint. (laughs) She who had crawled in hopeless Walked out singing, thank God I am free, free, free from this world of sin. Washed in the blood of Jesus, I've been born again. Hallelujah, I'm saved, saved, saved by his marvelous grace. This moment changes everything. Let's stand to our feet this morning. All her adult life. She'd been an outcast, a nobody, dwelling on the fringes of society. And now she's been taken in by the God of heaven. I'll close with this simple thought. We opened this morning by reading about Jairus, who was championing his daughter. We get it. We understand it. But this woman didn't have a champion. This woman didn't have anybody who would plead her case. That's all right. All she needed was the hem of his garment. If you're here this morning, every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask two very quick questions. You're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I've got something special on my heart. The Lord knows all about it. I don't have to say it out loud, but I want to lift up my hand and ask for prayer today on behalf of a very, very special request. Do I see some hands? I'm seeing a lot of hands this morning. I appreciate that. You can put them down. Let me ask you a second question this morning. We got a parking lot full of people. You're here today and you know about him, but you don't know him. Let me say to you this morning, you, like this precious little lady, only has to reach out a hand of faith. And in one glorious moment, your life can be changed. Brother Ken's going to sing for us. Let's pray together. Sing for us, Brother Ken. Savior, Savior.
this morning are glad he passed by your way. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Ushers, come on quickly this morning. We appreciate your attention, your time. Isn't it good to be with God's people? Whether we're inside, outside, wherever we are, being with his people, worshiping his son, it's all good. Lord, bless the offering this morning. May it be what you'd have it to be. Thank you for the faithfulness of God's people to give so generously. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Take off, gentlemen. so much for being here this morning don't forget wednesday night seven o'clock we're inside live stream also you be with us as well god bless you for being here today let's all stand together father thank you for your presence uh, be with us as we depart now in jesus name i pray amen you're dismissed this morning drive carefully now as you leave